many of you know that Mike and I have just moved to Houston? You visitors might not know that. I am the brand new senior pastor here. This is my second service to give leadership to as senior pastor. And we have felt so welcome in this community, especially this week because of the Christmas lights. We're not vain enough to think that they were put up in our honor, I promise. <laughs> but but it, has, it has made us feel particularly welcome. When we chose the neighborhood last October where we wanted to live, we knew that we liked the house that we had chosen and the places around us looked very neat and tidy, but we didn't see any people. We were there in the middle of the workday, so there weren't very many folks around, just a couple of kids that we saw. And we wondered about our neighbors. Would they be kind to us? Would they be the kind of people that we would like and who would like us back? So when Mike got here last week ahead of me, uh, I loaded the van in Washington and he unloaded it on this end of the, of the trip. Uh, he was quick to call me the first day that he was here. And he said, Harry, you're not gonna believe it. This is Christmas light heaven. He said, everywhere you look, he's walking up and down the street with his cell phone describing this house and that one. He says, oh, you're not going to believe this one, Harry. It has waves that crash over the roof. And it's true. It's true, it did. He was so excited. The lights our neighbors use to celebrate the rebirth of Christ in our lives gave us a little sense that we might actually be good neighbors to them and they to us. Isn't Christmas wonderful? It unites us. I then was made to feel welcome again when I was invited last Saturday evening to participate in a traditional Mexican posada, a reenactment of Mary and Joseph's arrival in Bethlehem. We received direction from our host, the fabulous Pepe Zuniga. If you all don't know him, you need to get to know him. He is a gift from God. And he led us from door to door in the apartment complex where he lives. Simple white lights lit our way. And at each door, we sang little carols of petition, explaining that we were Joseph and Mary, and that Mary was pregnant, and that we needed shelter. And at each door, the people sang back to us another little carol explaining why we couldn't come in. But door after door, people said they were uh, too tired to have us. They didn't have room. They didn't know us. Joseph, I don't know you. I remember that line so clearly. I don't know you. Finally, we arrived at Pepe's house at his apartment and were granted entrance. And we were given a grand party, too. But only after we bowed our hearts heard the rosary, and accepted Christ as God's best Christmas gift to us. Then we got down to partying. I'm, I'm still eating the tamales they sent home with me. <laughs> now many of us have been using, through the Advent season, Joyce Rupp's little book, Open the Door, as a devotional guide through the last four weeks or so, and we'll continue through Epiphany. 
I recommend it to you, and even though we've been doing it during Advent, I don't let that stop you from buying it and, and reading it if you have not already. It's good any time of the year. It's not just about Christmas. But because many of us plan to read Open the Door, our focus in worship for the last four weeks has been on the door of our heart. On what Rupp calls the place of divine movement. Our most authentic selves reside inside us there. So naturally, Jesus, who seeks relationship with us above everything else, comes knocking occasionally on the door of our heart. That's not a scripture we're accustomed to hearing at Christmas time. You may hear it again sometime during the year. But we've been thinking about the door of our heart and Jesus' return to it as we've been anticipating his coming. It was Reverend Christen's inspired idea to actually erect a door for us on the stage. And to put it in such a way that the Advent wreath would be visible through the door. Throughout the last four weeks, we have thought together about what might happen when the divine gift arrives at the portal to our inmost self. Now the candles of anticipation are burning lower, right? And the bright one at the top is the Christ candle. The Advent wreath and the Christ candle are beautiful symbols for most of us, beacons of hope and joy and comfort. And you see them just over there, through the door to your heart. It's a far cry from the first Christmas light. Ooh, that first Christmas light was a shocker. The bright light that surrounded the angel messenger frightened the shepherds who heard the first announcement of Jesus' birth. In those uh, days, shepherds had a reputation as a disreputable lot. Shepherds, you ever know a cowboy? <laughs> shepherds. Now, shepherds are not likely to be the doe-eyed youths with pretty little lambs draped across their shoulders that you see in the nativity scene. <laughs> Any shepherd worth his or her salt is more likely to show up in the middle of the night uh, scar-faced, red-eyed, and weaving. Those were the shepherds. That's who... That's who God chose to send the first angel to see with the good news that Messiah was born. Hmm. And so, for the shepherd, it was good news when that angel began his speech in the way that angels always do in the Bible. Can you say it with me? Don't be afraid. I hope, friends, that that will become the mantra of Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church, our unofficial motto. Don't be afraid. We're going to hear it now at the first of the Christian year and all throughout it and all the way through to the exciting time when Jesus is on the cloud and ready to go home to his Father. Don't be afraid. 
We'll hear it again and again. We'll need to hear it again and again because the illuminating presence of Christ in our lives sometimes seems like the last thing that we want to see. Sometimes it takes courage to answer the knock at the door. We want to see Jesus. We're just a little bit afraid, though, to have Jesus see us. I think there are two things that keep us peeping out the door of our hearts at the Savior, just cracking it a little. One is our fear that if Christ sees inside our house, he'll disapprove and go away. And that would break our hearts. And the other is that, and it's kind of funny because it's the opposite of this, the other thing I think we're afraid of is that Jesus will ask us to leave the comfort of our old dirty, untidy house and to go out with him to do something new. And you know the answer to the mystical question. The mystical question when we hear the knock at the door of our heart is often whether Jesus is trying to get in or trying to get us to come out. And you know the answer. It's both. As I remembered my experience of the Posada this week, I thought often about those archetypal characters who refused the Holy Family entrance into their lives. There we were outside the door with our little lights asking to come in. Their excuses for leaving the door closed were not unreasonable. Fatigue and lack of preparation or lack of room for a visitor might keep me from opening the door. But the reason given that stayed with me the most was that last one I mentioned before. We, we don't know you. Indeed, where Jesus is concerned, we do not. We don't know him. Oh, we think we do. The prophecies about Messiah that we hear during Advent all speak of a political leader who will save Israel from its regional enemies. Even Isaiah 9 that we heard tonight, uses language fit for a king, wonderful counselor, almighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The way we heard it so beautifully read tonight is is an interpretation seen through the lens of Jesus Christ who has made those things new for us But what they are, are the things that you shouted when the monarch arrived in the room. Wonderful counselor. Even almighty God. Prince of peace. One of the things I find beautiful about Christmas is how the gospel text begins to redeem the ancient prophecy from its narrow-minded focus on traditional military and political power and introduces us to a God who is at least as much like us as God is like a king. If Luke were from Texas... (laughs) if, If Luke were from Texas, he would say about Mary and Joseph. Now, friends, you know these folks. You know them. You've been where they are. 
out of town, out of luck, out of cash, <laughs> and looking for a friend. You know these folks. Dang, government's got everybody in a turmoil, and they're just trying to get through a bad situation. And well, there's the whole Mary being pregnant before they're married thing. The Jesus who shows up at our door at Christmas is a new kind of sovereign. His credentials are sound. He's from the royal line. But when we think about whether to open the door to invite him into our messy, embarrassing lives, it's a comfort to me, at least, to know that his mama and daddy didn't tell him stories about his birth that included all the grandeur of the balls that were held in his honor like they had up at the palace. No, they told a story about how they were traveling to, back home for the census and they had to deliver him behind the hotel. And yes, he came a little early. Came a little early. A person with a story like that is somebody I would open the door for. I might not know much about him, but I can guess that there's nothing in my house that Jesus hasn't seen before. The striking thing for me about Luke's telling of the Christmas story is how explicitly he says that the message of salvation from our own worst inclinations, from the oppression of those who seek to do us ill, is for everyone. For everyone. We hear it first from the single angel. I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. And then the whole heavenly host. Can't you see them? Across the night sky, angels. Glory to God. Glory to God. And on earth, peace. Goodwill to the people God loves. And God loves you all. Really? Seriously? Me? You know, Jesus, I... Uh, yes. I know. I mean, there's this thing I've been needing to get off my chest... Tell me. I, I wasn't always as smart as I am now. I know. <laughs> I was young once, too. See me up there in the manger? You know, Jesus, they talk about me. They say I'm, uh, yes. Yes, they talked about me too. Hey, I love you. Do you hear me? I love you. I don't know about you. 
But for me, the knowledge that Jesus loves me just as I am lights up my heart. The gift of the unconditional love of God kindles a flame in me that bathes my soul with the warm gift of grace. What I see inside is no longer the harsh glare of judgment. I see the radiant beams of love. I wish I could stay here forever, basking in the glow of God's care in Christmas. What's that? Is that a knock? Another knock? Could that be Jesus again? Wasn't he just here? I thought he was just here. Well, he's here again. And this time, he's outside the door. This time, he says it's dark out there and they need a light. Would I be willing to share mine? Jesus, I, I don't go out in the dark because I'm pretty sure there are things out there I won't know how to handle. If it's all right with you, I'll just stay inside here. No Harry. No Reverend Ann. No Elisa, no Jackie. It's not okay. I need you to come on through the door. Because you're the one now with the light. I'll go with you. I'll always be with you. But bring your light. 